Hello and welcome back to the Within Us podcast. I'm your host, Kate Hayes, and I am so glad you're here. On today's episode, we are going to talk about ease and how we can better prioritize a sense of ease, a feeling of ease, an experience of ease in our own lives. One of the things that I've been noticing over the past couple of weeks as we've entered this new year, and I shared a bit about this in my previous episode on goal setting, a new year is an opportunity to start fresh. And with that comes a lot of big goals, intentions, hopes, dreams, plans. And that is really exciting. And it can also become incredibly overwhelming, especially in the day and age that we live in, where there's so much noise on social media, in our inboxes, in our mailboxes, everywhere. We are being told to do more, to do it this way, to keep going and going and going. And it's impossible to keep up. And so I want to get really practical today. How can we actually give ourselves permission to take things slower to focus on the things that we care most about and let go of the rest. So I'm going to share a couple tools. I think this is a place when we're talking about ease, there's a lot of conversation about it and not as much focus on how do we actually do this. So I'm going to share a few tools and exercises that I have found helpful to make sure that I'm focusing on the things that matter most to me in the spirit with the goal of finding more ease and space in my life. I'm not an expert at it yet. I definitely, like most of us, overcommit myself. I'm exhausted a lot of the time. And it's a constant and consistent practice to practice prioritizing ease in our own lives. So let's dive in. First and foremost, I think it's really important to note The U.S. Society, which is where I am podcasting in from, live in, work in, all of those things, this society is not designed to create space for us to rest in fine ease. And there are so many structural issues that I could point to. I'm not going to do that in this moment, though I may in a future episode because I think it's really understand, it's really important to understand how we are a part of the greater systems that have a major impact on our life, our work, our well-being, our mental health, all of those pieces. So putting that to the side, knowing it's a very, very real thing, that we are pushing against the design that has been created for us by figuring out how to prioritize these, which means it's not easy. So I want to start with a question. And this is a question that I've asked myself many times, and I usually say yes, and if you say yes, this episode is for you. Is your life and your time built with the assumption that you are operating at 100% all of the time? Right? I know mine is. It's usually actually built under the assumption that I'm operating at 125% all the time. I'm working on it, and so there's a few you know, quick and easy things that you can be thinking about 
first just naming that wow my my life is built for that and there's no way that we can be operating at 100% all of the time i'm a working mom if my kid is sick if i'm sick if i have something happen if you know i need to go and pick up my library book you know we things come up in everyday life and if we don't create buffer space and it can be really uncomfortable and hard to create buffer space because we have been conditioned into expecting that we need to be doing 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 something all of the time and when we find ourselves with that buffer space without something to do it can feel really strange and not not the norm so i'm pushing us to kind of push back against that to get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. As I said in last week's episode, change requires discomfort. So getting comfortable with having some empty space that may get filled by things that come up and may not if you're lucky. And we'll talk a little bit about what happens when there is empty space. How do you navigate that? So think about what your percentage is what your assumption is for how you must be to operate in your life and use that as a starting point. One of the things that I think is getting in the way the most of our ability to prioritize these is our shoulds. If you are on social media, if you are with friends, if you consume media of any sort, read books, we are surrounded by shoulds. We are told that we need to do, that we should do this particular program. We should be doing that particular method. We should be eating this way. We should be sleeping this way. We should be taking these pills. We, there's so much that we're constantly bombarded with in terms of what we should be doing. I want you to take a moment and listen to this part, and then I encourage you to pause and come back and, and really carve out the space to do this. I want us to better understand our should list. So you'll take out a piece of paper and you're going to write a couple of columns. The first is should. So all of those things that you feel like you should be doing. I should be losing weight. I should be reading more. I should be creating, you know, a new business plan. All of these things. What's on your should list? Map it out. And then I want you to create three more columns. One is a column of have to and need to. So we're going to get to, there are a lot of things that you do have to do. I don't necessarily want to make my kids lunch every day for school, but I have to. I don't necessarily want to, um, you know, clean my bathroom, but I have to, or things will get a little bit out of control. So we have this category of have to and need to. Then we have a category of a column of get to and want to. I love the framing of having a mindset around the things that you get to do. And I, you know, I try to move as many of the have to's and needs to into get to and want to. You know, I get to make my kids a homemade meal every day for lunch I could easily keep that in the have to, but I feel better about it when I think about it in the get to mindset. And then the final column is actually I don't need to, or simply the no column. 
And so you're going to write out all of your shoulds. And if you want to jot down any have tos, need tos, get tos, want tos, you can absolutely do that. But the, the goal of the exercise is to move everything in your should list to one of the other three categories. So we are going to end up with nothing on our should list. And we're going to do that by going through these five questions. So for every, everything on your should list, I want you to actually write this down on a piece of paper. It's one thing to think about it. It's another to get really clear and spend some time journaling about it and writing it down. There's so much power in writing things down. So question number one, when did I start thinking I should do this? This brings us back to the source of the should. I started thinking that I should start drinking this particular thing because I see it on social media from a lot of influencers that I follow. Okay, I've been sitting with that should for a while. What did I feel at the time? At the time I felt inspired. I felt, wow, if they're drinking that and feeling great, maybe I will too. How do I feel now? It's the third question. Not so great. Not like it's something that I actually want to commit to or not something that I have space for in the budget. Fourth question, is this something I want to do? Yes or no? Very simple. And is this something, the fifth question, is this something I am going to do? That is the key final question. Because if you've you know answered positively to there, and then you ask yourself, is this something I'm going to do? And you say no, then zoop, that should goes immediately to the no list, to the actually I don't need to do this list. And then it's kind of wiped clean from your slate. You don't need to think about it anymore. Or something might be, oh yeah, actually this is something that I want to do. And now I can go back and think about how to structure my goal to begin doing whatever that should is. And you might find something that needs to go on the have to or need to. So I should be making these lunches. I encourage you to try to put them onto the get to and want to, but it is structurally helpful to think about the the sort of must, must do's that comprise your life. So that is exercise number one, the should list with the five questions. I'm going to say them one more quick time. When did I start thinking I should do this? What did I feel at the time? How do I feel now? Is this something I want to do? And is this something I am going to do? So exercise number one. Exercise number two, and this is our our second core exercise that I want to introduce you to before a couple quick tips to round us out. I want us to all get better at saying no. And there's a really concrete way to do that, which is to practice saying no. This is something that I do with quite a few of my coaching clients. And what I encourage and, and have my clients do is track your yeses and nos for a week. So for a whole week, this can be done on a sticky note, two columns, keep it simple, what you say yes to and what you say no to. And for week one, you don't really want to think about it too much. We get to the point when I'm working with clients when we might set a number of no's that you want to give or a percentage of no's to really start pushing yourself towards no if you find yourself saying yes to way too many things. But I want you to, over the course of a week, to take note of what you're saying yes to. 
How did you feel when the question came to you? How did you feel after? Is this something that you're glad that you said yes to? Or is this something that you actually kind of regret saying yes to? And then take note of your no's. How did it feel when you said no? How did you feel later? Did you even remember saying no? Or did you just say no? Bless and release that no and move on. And paying attention to if you regretted saying no to something and what you can learn for that. So tracking those yeses and nos and really paying attention to the reasoning and then at the end of the week, taking stock and noticing, why am I saying yes? What's behind me saying yes to all sorts of things if you're finding that you have a ton of yeses? Or perhaps you notice, I'm actually really good at saying no, that's a strength. How can I continue to do more of that if I'm finding myself having trouble finding ease in my life? There's three core ways, and this is where we're going to get into a couple quick tips before we round out the episode. There's really three core ways in my mind to say no. So I'll give, I'll give examples. The first is just no. And I like to call it a graceful no. I, you know, I have a hard time saying no without a bunch of reasoning for it. I'm working on it. But a I'm sorry, I can't, or I wish I could, but I can't, a graceful no. And an example, I had an email recently, and it's somebody who has been sending me updates for years, and I enjoy reading them. And at the same time, I'm paring down my inbox to try to spend less time on email. And so I wrote back to this person, and they said, you know, I love hearing your updates. I appreciate them. And I would love if you could take me off the list because I'm really trying to, you know, pare down the inbox and spend less time on email. And they wrote back a kind response. So I think there is a really kind way to say no. Another way to say no is I can't do that, but I can do this. So I, I get a lot of requests for different things. I think that happens when you put yourself out there a lot. And I wish I could say yes to everything and everybody. And sometimes I have to just say a graceful no if it's not something that I can do or support with or help with at a particular time. But sometimes if I can't do the actual ask, but I can do something else, I'll say that. And I'll, I'll be really clear about what my boundary, if you will, is what my boundary is, what I can't do and what I can do. And then another way to say no is... I can't do it now, but let's come back to this later. This is another example. Somebody had asked me for an informational call. My calendar is booked for the next three months. I said, I can't, but if you email me in the middle of March, please do that. And I will make sure that we can find time in the next month from there. So those are a couple of ways to say no. I think we often get uncomfortable with saying no, it feels icky, it doesn't feel good. Many of us who have had people-pleasing tendencies, we just want to say yes to everybody. But we have to think about if we're saying yes to somebody else, is that also a yes for ourselves? And if it's not, if it's actually something that doesn't fit into our priorities to who we are at this moment, to what we want to be doing, then it's it's got to be a no. It's got to be a no. We have to get better at putting ourselves and the things that are most important to us first 
so that we can find more ease. So last thing, I want to share a couple of the things that I do specifically outside of these practices to kind of tee up the space to find more ease. One thing I love doing are morning pages. I don't do this consistently. The Artist's Way is an incredible resource and so much of the focus is on doing this consistently over the course of 12 weeks. I have never done that, but I've done it for many weeks and it's a practice that I come back to time and time again. All you need to do is grab three pieces of paper and first thing when you wake up or as soon as you can, write. There's something about taking everything in your mind and putting it on paper that for me takes a lot of the noise out of my head as I ease into the day and create so much more space for clarity, connection, and what I want to be doing. Number two, meditation. I am a certified mindfulness and meditation teacher. It's something I've been practicing for years. And a lot of times I only spend five minutes a day. I love when I can spend more time, realistically, five minute work, five minutes works. Number three, spending time in quiet reflection. I've been using the five minute journal for a few months and I love it. I love that it's five minutes, another five minute practice, and it allows me to take a moment in the morning and in the evening to pause and reflect. In the morning, I think about how do I want to spend my day? I do this even before writing down my core priorities for the day, mapping out my to-do list, you know, getting into, into the business of the day. This is more an opportunity to think about how I want to show up in a given day. And at the end, how was that day? How was that for you? Having that sort of grounding practice can be an incredible way to find more ease. And then finally, and I promised I would come back to this at the beginning, when you find yourself with empty space, as you've thought about, you know, how can I create more space? How can I build a life that expects me to operate at 70% capacity and has that extra space? Make a list of things that feel good to you. Put them in a jar and pull them out when you need a boost. It might be, for me, some of the ones I have in this Go on my acupressure mat for 10 minutes, read a chapter of a book, write a letter to a friend. I've got a box of cards and I love pulling them out. Those are things that really help me find more ease in my life and more, more clarity and connection to myself and others. So I encourage you to consider doing the same. So that's where we are. I'm going to leave you with one final note that I think is really important to ground ourselves in and remind ourselves. Try not to care about the things you don't care about. That's a through line with everything that we talked about today. So go forth, try out these exercises. If you do, let me know how they go. I love hearing from you. Thank you, thank you for being here, and I will see you next time. 